Big time show today. We are finishing up our starting pitcher ADP review, and then we are recapping every single position with strategies, especially from Heath, and one overdrafted and one underdrafted player at each position. Welcome, everybody. It's Fantasy Baseball Today. It is Thursday, March 8th. I am fired up. This is going to be an awesome show. We've got plenty of your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Adam. Uh, I wish my voice sounded better the first moment I spoke on the show. No, it's getting, it's already better. Hello, Chris. How are you? Hello. Thank you, Chris. And hello, Heath. How are you? This is going to be the best fantasy baseball podcast, not just of the show or the season, but of all time. <laughs> Nobody actually answered how they are. I assume everybody is well. Here is starting pitcher ADP. We went through the first 50 yesterday, so let's go to 51. And it's a guy we actually ended last show with, but here we go. Kevin Gosman, Taiwan Walker, who's a sleeper for Heath, much better on the road last year, and now he's got the humidor. Kevin Gosman, Taiwan Walker, Kent Maeda, Cole Hamels, Aaron Sanchez. So we will go five at a time. Gosman, Walker, Maeda, Hamels, Sanchez. And you guys just give me your reactions. Favorites, least favorites, what you think of the group. Go for it. I think Chris and I are both on the Gosman breakout bandwagon. It's... You look at uh, when he's been good and when he's been bad in the past, and it's basically been good in the second half when he's introduced his split-finger yeah, fastball yeah. to his yeah. arsenal. <laughs> and in the past, he's kind of just worked it in organically, and it's taken a while to come around. But this spring, he came ready to throw all his pitches, and he had a really good start last time. I would uh, I would like to rephrase what Scott said. It gets the same general point about Kevin Gosman across. Scott and I are really, really invested in Charlie Brown finally kicking that football. <laughs> now, I, <clears throat> if you draft Kevin ahead of these other pitchers, you're going to need some gauze, man, to patch up your roster. Really? Even ahead of Aaron Sanchez? I know you don't like Aaron Sanchez. No, I don't like Aaron Sanchez either. He's much worse. <laughs> I'd rather have Gosman than Sanchez. I mean, I, that, that's these... a, like, that's fair. I, I do rank Gosman lower than most of these pitchers. I so. think any of these five honestly, except for Cole Hamels, which is a little sad, are fine lottery picks. Have we got anything yet on any of Cole Hamels' spring training? Anything? I haven't seen He anything. is someone. He doesn't want to be in a six-man rotation. Right, and he yeah. won that battle. They've said he's he going did. to pitch on regular rest. Um, I just, I'd like, he is somebody that if he had two or three pretty good outings and reports were that his velocity is a t- back up a tick, I could buy into being a decent value here. But he could also be somebody that, like, April 20th, you're cutting. Yeah, I think he's gone the way of Felix Dunzo. All right, well, that's Cole Hamels we're talking about. I want to mention something on Kenta Maeda. Scott talks about innings all the time and, and how you get to a certain inning total. He made 25 starts last year. Maeda went more than five innings only six times in 25 starts, more than six innings only four times. So I don't know if that's going to happen again this year, but if you're playing a quality starts league, Forget it with Kenta Maeda. I mean, five time, five pitching, five starts out of 25 with more than five innings pitched. So please keep that in mind with Maeda. Um, and I, I, there's some, some decent upside there with Gosman and Walker and, and I, yeah. I ahead. think Maeda could be one of the 20 best pitchers in baseball on a per start basis. I know there are concerns about the innings, but that's true of everything. I think he could be as good as Shohei Otani. In about as many innings. That's pretty bold. Okay. Uh, all right, then. Let's go to our next group. And, Bla- oh, people want to know about Aaron Sanchez. 
So this was a top 17-ish pitcher two years ago, and then he just dealt with blisters. You're not going to get a lot of – he was 14th in points, 19th in Roto in 2016. Sanchez had a 3 ERA, 1-1-7 whip, and not a lot of strikeouts. Uh, do you rank him in your top 50? He's the 55th pitcher off the board. I don't rank him anywhere close to my top 50. He was, like, What you're saying is factually accurate. He was a top 20 starting pitcher. He was also 15-2. and two. He was. And with almost three walks per nine and seven and a half strikeouts per nine. I don't really believe what he did in 2016 is even a reasonable ceiling for him. So I feel I like it was a starting point for a very talented pitcher, really good stuff and good ground ball rate. Um, he, I, I felt like he was on the Carlos Martinez path before the blisters popped up last year. He wasn't quite Carlos Martinez yet, but I, I, I could see his career following a similar trajectory. And I think now, I think now is, you know, because of the discount, because of the blisters last year, like it's a pretty low gamble. It's a pretty yeah. small gamble. Yes, I completely agree. I think he's a fine gamble here. Um, I don't think he has ace upside, but like mid three ZRA, one two five whip in 170 innings seems like a decent out uh, upside. All right, now this next group of five, I think we're going to find a few players here that we like more than many of the guys in, in the first group of five. We're at 56 overall at starting pitcher. We're at 216th overall pick of the draft. Blake, ooh, Blake Snell, Lance Lynn, Mike Clevenger, Jacob Faria, and Rick Porcello. Blake Snell, Lance Lynn, Mike Clevenger, Jacob Faria, and Rick Porcello. Who wants to gush over Blake Snell? Oh, I'll gush over Blake Snell because it looks like the biggest problem, both you know, coming up to the majors – where he was just so overpowering that it didn't matter. And then when he got to the majors, the walks, that was his biggest problem. It looks like he slayed that dragon at the end of last year after the uh, the embarrassment of getting option to the minors. The walks came around down there, and down the stretch, they were looked pretty good too. He's had a really good spring. I think in his most recent start, four strikeouts to no walks and three shutout innings. Uh, and I think he's on the verge of breaking out. I like Clevenger a lot too. I like those two more than any of the last group. Maybe any of the last ten. Clevenger's – I know you've been talking a lot about Clevenger. You were hoping he would win the job over Salazar. He's going to because Salazar's going to open on the DL. Clevenger had a 311 ERA. He had 137 strikeouts in 121 and two-thirds. Um, he was bad as a reliever, actually, at a 704 ERA. As a starter last year, Clevenger had a 284 ERA. And as, in his last five starts, he had a .61 ERA. He was awesome. There is one big problem, and it's walks. He walked 4.9 and 4.4 per nine in two seasons. Can Mike Clevenger, I mean, he has done it. Can he do it again? Can he be a good starting pitcher with all those walks? I don't think he's going to have that low of an ERA again. But, like, this, he he was overpowering. Top 12 in both K per nine and swinging strike rate. Um, And he seemed to get better over the course of the season. So, yeah, I think it's a... Like, you're, you can draft him here as a number five, and he's there's a good chance he performs like a number three for you. You guys and, like uh, Faria? Sorry, he, uh, Chris, go ahead. Sure. Yeah. You like Farina? I like Faria. I don't I don't think he has as much upside as those other two, Clevenger and Snell. Mm-hmm. But um, he has, you know, he's he's had the least failure in the majors so far. Right. And just to put the Blake Snell improvement in – 
context, his first two starts after getting back from the minors, he had nine walks. The final 14 after that point, he had 25. Um, so he improved his walk rate a lot. There's there's number one pitcher upside here, not, you know, SP1. Now, you might recall last year Scott was a lot higher on Rick Porcello than Heath was. This year it's the opposite. I'm not. I'm looking at head-to-head points, not roto rankings. But Heath, you have Porcello 40th in points. Scott's got him closer to 60th, uh, 56th overall. So Porcello is the 60th pitcher off the board. Heath? Yeah, and I would not like him near that much in roto. I'll, I'll check and make sure I don't have him ranked that high in roto. But I do think his value will be that I expect him to still give the Red Sox a lot of innings. I expect the Red Sox to give him a lot of runs. I don't think he's quite as bad as he was last year. Now, I, that saying, I, I haven't really changed my opinion that he's just pretty much a, a fine starting pitcher. and But a fine starting pitcher that gives you 200 innings and realistically should win 14 to 15 games has quite a bit of value in points leagues. All right. I've come around on him a little. I drafted him for the first time in uh, the most recent – one of the most recent drafts I'm in. It's a 15-team league. Um, but – yeah, he's he's drafted to be a starter for me. He talked he's talked this spring about how his two seamer he just didn't have it last year, and uh, that's kind of his most important pitch. So he's, I, worked, I would, he's worked on that this offseason. How much you like Rick Porcello should probably depend on who you drafted earlier, right? Like if you have Jeff Samarja as your number three starting pitcher or number two, you probably shouldn't have any interest in Rick Porcello. But if you've got a staff with like Luis Castillo and Lance McCullers. And guys like that, guys who have really high upside but could also bust out or only throw 130 innings, you probably need someone like Rick Porcello on your staff. Okay, then. Let's move on down past the 60s. 61 is Denelson Lamette, who's working on a curveball, could really use another pitch. And, and he has some walk issues, but very talented, Denelson Lamette. Julio Tehran, Alex Cobb. Irvin Santana, who's going to start the year on the DL. You might see him in mid to late April, had finger surgery. And then Brad Peacock, who's a SPARP. He's going to go higher in head-to-head points leagues where you can use him as a relief pitcher. Uh, again, these five, 61 through 65, are Denelson Lamette, Julio Tehran, Alex Cobb, Irvin Santana, and Brad Peacock. Who is your favorite in that group? Lamette. There's just there's more upside there for me. Anybody who strikes out you know, almost 11 batters per nine, even with the flaws that he has, I'm, I'm not so interested in him adding a changeup. He needs a pitch that can neutralize left-handed batters, uh, and I'm not sure uh, a curveball is going to do that. But even if he doesn't improve that much, there's still room for a high 3 ZRA with really good strikeout numbers. Yeah, I'll say Lamette as well. I gotta say, Peacock, I was prepared. He was flirting with my top 30 before the Astros went out and acquired Garrett Cole. And now you wonder where the starts are gonna come from, from, for, for him. I, I still think he'll make his share of starts. I think a dozen, at least. But, um, with the, no clear plan in place for when that's gonna happen. It's hard to justify taking a guy you're mostly going to leave on your bench. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Like, it, I find it hard to justify drafting Brad Peacock. Yeah. And I guess he's going 246, so that's basically the last round of most of our drafts. But I, I don't even know that I, I guess I'd have a reserve round spot for him, maybe. Okay. 
And then Irvin Santana, 2016 with the Twins, he had a 338 ERA. His last 18 starts, it was 241. And then last year, he had a 328 ERA. So his last two seasons, 328, 338 ERA. The ride could be a little bumpy. Uh, he had a lot of terrible starts last year. But Santana, even though he's going to start the year on the DL, he deserves to be drafted, right? I'm not drafting him. No? I would draft him late and, you know, stick him in the DL spot because I think when he gets back, he'll, he'll absolutely be must own. Uh, it'll be, you know, probably in a number four starter kind of way, but he's a, he's definitely an innings eater and he's a good enough innings eater in an environment with so few innings eater that he has value. He's probably falling too far because I don't even think 248, given the, the timing of his injury, probably doesn't tell the whole story. He went about 350 in a draft that I'm doing right now, a 15 team. That At that point, yeah, Irvin Santana them. deserves to be drafted. Yep, Irvin Santana. All right, next group of five. We'll go up to 80 starting pitchers here. And then uh, also on today's show, we'll talk about some spring training storylines like uh, Sean Manaya. Uh, Scott wrote about him. Matt Harvey's having a good spring. So we'll cover some more guys. Uh, 66 through 70 is Lucas Giolito, Tanner Roark, Patrick Corbin, Michael Waka and Sean Manaya. Giolito, Roark, Corbin, Waka, and Manaya. Who's your favorite? We are all kind of like it's weird because it's not the kind of player we normally go for. We, you know, fantasy analysts as a whole, but we're kind of all on board with Tanner Roark, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's, I think uh, he's a good value. Yeah. Um, I, I like he, Corbin too. Can, in this can I say Those something would be my weird? Two favorites. No. Can, do you do you, you're gonna start asking before you do that now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, Lucas Giolito is my least favorite of this group. You're weird. That's weird because he was the number one pitching prospect in baseball a year ago. He had like a two three ERA in the majors last season, but I just we haven't seen much from him in AAA or the majors that suggests that he's going to be much more than a back of the rotation starter yeah hasn't hasn't shown a lot of bat missing ability i would say i like waka less than him yes i don't know why we don't like michael waka like we all believe that peripherals matter and that era isn't the only thing that matters he's had uh, a really bad era the last two seasons adam is on the podcast <laughs> no era but is not the only thing that matters this, this is a guy with a 3-6 fit for his career who had a 3-6-3 fit last season the peripherals are good he got the strikeout rate back up what was the strikeout rate? 8.6 8. per nine. So fine. slightly above average. There but the walks, he walks pitchers, so many guys. But but here's the thing. Like, there are lots of pitchers we like who have worse start, strikeout rates, like including Wa- Tanner Rowe. Waka has that um, affliction Lance McCullers does, where it's like 150 innings. You, you just hope he makes it that far. And when he's not the big bat mister McCullers is, he doesn't have that kind of upside. He has that Julio Tehran level upside. Like that's just not like I, I don't I don't want to pay for that package. Who's got the most upside of those five? Uh Giolito, Roark, Corbin, Waka, Manaya. Who's got the most upside? I think technically I think it's Manaya. Yeah, Manaya. Giolito probably is up there too if you want to be technical. But I mean Roark, two of the last four four years, he's been a top thirty starting pitcher. So uh, you know, he's, in, he's probably, an innings eater for a first division club, and I think he's I think he's going to be somebody we consider must start come 
May 1st. Uh, before you say that's probably his upside, I'm just going to tell you that's his upside is top 15. So that's what well, that's what Roark was in 2016, and he was top 21 in 2014. But he also has had two terrible years. In the last yeah, year. I mean, and a lot of that is, you know, we talk about it a lot for hitters. He just stayed healthy and, and, got, and a, probably got a lot of got a lot of wins. Right, but which he should, but he should, but. like that. Yeah, I'm predicting that for him again. Okay, then 71 through 75 is Jordan Montgomery. And I just want to say, you know, overview. There are a lot of good pitchers still in this range. A lot, a lot of interesting pitchers. A lot of good candidates for your bench. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of guys we like. Uh, Jordan Montgomery, Jay Happ, Felix Hernandez, Alex Reyes, Tyler Chatwood. Uh, not too many guys. I think maybe the first two. Uh, Montgomery, Happ, Felix, Reyes, and Chatwood. Reyes is interesting. We just don't know when he's going to pitch and where he's going. Like bullpen or starter. Anyway, I'll let you guys talk. Montgomery, Hap, Felix Hernandez, Reyes, and Chatwood. Montgomery's really weird because he. I mean, we've only seen him for 29 starts in the major leagues, and normally with those guys, we'll project some type of possible upside or say they're a little bit riskier. He feels like that's just kind of what he's going to be. Um, I don't know that I see a lot of room from growth from last year's 3880 ERA, but if he makes 32 starts. And post a 380 RA, he's probably going to win 14 games on this team. He, he's going to be valuable. He needs to get a little bit better on a per start basis in terms of innings, and you can't ask for a lot of growth in that area. All right, so that's Jordan Montgomery and Jay. Like Jay Happ's been a pretty solid pitcher, 72nd overall at starting pitcher. Where do you guys have Jay Happ? Let me take a look. See, 50, 57th. So there's a there's some value there, Jay Happ at 72nd overall. And then let's finish up with the last five. Davies, Zach Davies, Luis Gohara, CeCe Sabathia, Forrest Whitley, who is suspended, uh, and Jake Odorizzi. Zach Davies, Luis Gohara, CeCe Sabathia, Forrest Whitley, Jake Odorizzi. Zach Davies is terrible. <laughs> Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Gohara is the best here, right? Or is it Whitley? Uh, he, no, it's – it's well, Whitley's not going to – if he pitches this year, I think it'll just be his – Kind of get his uh, get his feet wet, sort of thing, because the Astros obviously have no overloaded rotation as it is. But Gohara, Gohara is the one I'm excited about. He's mm-hmm. he's missed a lot of spring training with a groin issue, so I don't know that he's going to make the uh, the starting five to begin the year, but it'll happen soon enough. And uh, the five starts he made down the stretch last year, um, there were only four pitchers, four qualifying pitchers, who did what he did in the five-start stretch in terms of strike percentage and swinging strike percentage. And those four starting pitchers were Kershaw, Scherzer, Kluber, and Sale. And you look at the minor league numbers and you think, yep, this guy has dominant stuff, a left-hander who can touch triple digits with a great slider. He looks like he's going to be a good one. Yeah, between AA, AAA, and the majors as a 20-year-old, so he was young for every level. He had a 339 ERA, 28.1 strikeout rate, and 28.5% walk rate. That's similar to what Justin Verlander, Trevor Bauer, and Carlos Martinez had. So that just shows you what kind of upside he has. At this point in the draft, I think he's a great value. Okay, we're talking about Luis Gohara of the Braves, 77th pitcher off the board. Scott has him 66th. Heath has Gohara 51st. So good value there. Uh, all right, and... All right, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm good. I'm good. Let's move on. Uh, you're going to be signing up for Fantasy Baseball Leagues. Drafts are coming up. Everyone play on CBS Sports. 
Go to cbssports.com slash FBT to get your league started. That is cbssports.com slash FBT. And I think you're going to love playing on CBS Sports. If you're a real fantasy baseball fan, you're going to see we offer an awesome product. We have great advanced stats. We make it very easy to find the best free agents. I love the projections. You can project for this upcoming scoring period if you're just looking for a one-week replacement. Or you can look at rest-of-season projections. We've got an awesome list of two-star pitchers. Uh, so it's great. And it's also great for dynasty leagues. You can trade up to three years of future draft picks. You can do points leagues, roto, head-to-head categories. You can customize so many things. Uh, you don't have to do any standard settings. Again, you will love it. CBS Sports Commissioner. Go to cbsports.com slash FBT. I have to use that URL, cbsports.com slash FBT. I was planning on making a, an announcement about the podcast league today, but we forgot to talk about it off the air. So our assignment today, guys, <laughs> is to uh, come up with a date that we can do a draft, and then we will tell the people this is when we're drafting, and then you will email us, and you will tell us you are in. But I think we're gonna have we should have fun with it. We should make them do like haikus or something, right? Haikus I'm are fun. Really looking forward to it. And we have some also have some exciting, exciting announcements for the people league. For <laughs> yeah. the for the for the people league. Yes, and the author of our theme song, Doc Kratzer, gets a spot in a league of his choice, so uh that that uh sorry, that is one and, less spot of And one spot in the For the People League has already been taken. That's right. So they're filling up not so fast, but they will be pretty soon. So tomorrow also, I have a plan for tomorrow's show. I haven't run it by you yet. Ready? I'm running it by you. Let's do a draft. Let's do a live draft with listeners. Okay. That sounds like a great when idea. When do you want to do this? Can it not be an AL only league? It please? will not be AL only. Tomorrow for the podcast. Figure okay. out 10 a.m. All right, let's do it. All right, uh, you got to follow me on Twitter. I'll make an announcement on Twitter. Do not email. How do they follow you on Twitter? At Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Thank you, Heath. At Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. Uh, Heath is at Heath Cummings Senior, Heath Cummings SR. Chris is at C Towers CBS, and Scott always... is at CBS Scott White. I know Chris, I I always forget it. <laughs> at CBS Scott White for Scott. Uh, so I'll make an announcement on Twitter, and then whoever replies will be in the draft tomorrow. All right, let's do some position recaps. If you missed our position previews, you're lazy. We're gonna sum it up for you right here. After this, we have emails with a lot of head-to-head category strategy. We have news and notes. We have Team Name Tuesday on a Thursday, and we have a segment I've been waiting for for so long, Isaac's Greatest Hits. Isaac is a guy who listens to our show, emails us all the time, seems to hate us. I have his best emails, Isaac's Greatest Hits. Uh, Chris, give me your thoughts on catcher, quick strategy discussion, and then uh, a one overdrafted, one underdrafted player. So, unless you get... Gary Sanchez and maybe Buster Posey or Wilson Contreras. I'm not sure they give you quite the leg up. You probably want to wait on catcher because the overdrafted guys are the middle range. Salvador Perez, 107 overall. JT Real Muto, 119. Maybe even Evan Gaddis at 148, given the playing time concerns. Um, so I either want one of the elite guys or I want to wait. And the underdrafted guy is Wilson Ramos. Wilson Ramos is going 205th overall, and he is the ninth catcher off the board. It's fine if he's the ninth catcher off the board, but 205th is low. All right, Scott, first base, your summary. So there's a big four at first base, kind of like it's starting pitcher, not as big of a priority as starting pitcher. Uh, but Goldschmidt, Votto, Freeman, Rizzo. Like, if you pick at the end of the first round, pairing them with an ace, that's, that's probably the ideal approach. But otherwise... Um, 
you know, they're, they're, you're going to want to draft a lot of them because the position's so deep. I have a hard time not filling my first base spot, my corner infield spot, and my utility spot in the standard Roto League with first baseman and then still wishing I had a spot for another. <laughs> so, um, like, the, the, the elite ones are worth the premium, but the other ones you're kind of just drafting for need, and there's a lot of options to choose from. Do you have a specific overdrafted and underdrafted, or? Sure, yeah, specific okay. overdrafted. Just going off Fantasy Pros data because there's certainly a point where you could call this guy a sleeper. But Ian Desmond going 125th overall, so round 11 in a 12-team league for a guy who was awful last year at Coors Field, um, with very concerning batted ball data that may have been influenced by injury, but it's not like the guy has you know, the most consistent track record either. I think that, um, I think, I think it's ridiculous to take him that early. Underdrafted? Underdrafted. I'm going to go with the guy who's actually drafted four spots ahead of him, Matt Olson, who based on what he showed last year, both in the minors and especially in the majors, I think has 50 homer potential. And he is my favorite. He is my favorite mid-round home run choice just because other than like Joey Gallo, who I think has bigger flaws, I don't think anyone compares in terms of upside. Don't love him so much in points leagues, but even there, he's Olsen's an okay pick. All right, that's first base. The correct answer to underdrafted was Greg Bird, 156th overall. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Greg Bird looks like the favorite right now to bat third in the Yankees lineup. Uh, Heath, second base. So... Industry drafts are a lot different, apparently, than everyone else's drafts. And based on industry drafts, I really like to grab a second baseman early. I'm happy taking Jose Ramirez in the second round. Jose Altuve is my number one overall player, partially because of the position he plays. D. Gordon is an excellent third-round pick, in my opinion. In Roto, he's going to get you a ton of steals. I love the top of second base. But based on where second basemen go in our drafts, I don't necessarily love the value. Now, that is not apparently true for anyone else. There is everything that you could want in the later rounds at second base. If you need dongs, Rugnet Odor is there, and it looks like the ninth round. If you need steals, Eduardo Nunez is there in the 13th round. If you want upside, Ozzie Albies, Ian Happ, Paul DeYoung, all going after pick 140. So... I don't think if I was drafting in these types of drafts, I would make it as big of priority to go get an upper-tier second baseman. I think you covered who's going, who's being underdrafted as in being taken too late. How about a guy who's being drafted too early? You know who I'm going to say. It's Jonathan Scope. He's going at the 5-6 turn. I don't expect he's going... like The one way that he justifies that up is if he repeats what he did last year, but I don't think that should be the expectation. Most of his performance from last year was a career outlier. He could be a very fine, startable second baseman and still be way overdrafted at the 5-6 term. Okay, and uh, what was I going to say? To back you up on something, you made a good point. I wanted to bring it up. I can't remember. Oh, oh, Ian Happ. You've been all over Ian Happ for like months, and he's having an amazing spring. And... Uh, so far, so good, Heath. All right. Let's... So far, just just let him play. All I am saying yeah. is give Hap a chance. If you if you go back and listen to the second base podcast, second base preview podcast, you will hear me call Ian Hap a bust. Don't listen to me. Okay. I don't think that's true anymore. Oh, good, good, good stuff. All right. So uh, third base, Chris. I remember I called this a shallow position when you remove Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, and Alex Bregman, who people are going to play at second or short. 
Uh, what is your take on third base real quick, and then give me an overdrafted and underdrafted? You don't want to be like the ninth person to draft a third baseman. You probably don't want to be filling out your third base or your corner corner infield spot in like the round, I would say, 8 through 12 range because that's where the worst values are at the position. That's where you start to have to reach for guys who have serious flaws in their games. Guys like Miguel Sano, guys like Nick Castellanos, Mike Moustakis, Joey Gallo, who certainly have upside but have really low floors as well, and I don't think they're being priced into them. So if you're drafting a third baseman, your starter should probably try, you should probably get your starter in the first six rounds. That's down to Joey, to Justin Turner, I would say, in ADP. And then your corner infield spot, you want to wait till, I would say, the Adrian Beltre, Matt Carpenter kind of range. Yeah. Or you, you could always obviously go with a first baseman. Sure. Uh, yeah. Okay. So did, I think you covered overdrafted, underdrafted, or no? Or do you want to give specific names? Um, underdrafted, I think Adrian Beltre is maybe the single best value in fantasy baseball right now. He's 139th in ADP. I know he's old. I know there's injury concerns, but there's really only one season's worth of injury concerns. And even then he crushed the ball. We've seen zero sign of a declining skill set for Adrian Beltre. Okay. Overdrafted. We'll go with Miguel Sano at 90, at a 102. Gotcha. All right, let's move on to shortstop, and this is Scott White. Scott, take it away. So in an environment where there isn't really a thin position, unless you count catcher, which, let's face it, it's hardly a position, shortstop still looks like the thinnest position. And so it's one where I do I do get a little worried about getting left out. Uh, it's not where it was few years ago where you had to reach to get a quality shortstop but I want a quality shortstop and if I pick in the spot where it's appropriate to take Trey Turner Carlos Correa Manny Machado will eventually be eligible there or Francisco Lindor I do and if not I'm happy to take Corey Seager in round three I'm happy to take Alex Bregman in round five if he lasts there and I'm happy to take Elvis Andrews in round six if I don't get one of them um, I'm kind of disappointed, and I'm probably just waiting for really good value. Would uh, would Bregman be overdrafted for you? He's going 41st overall. No, I wouldn't say that's overdrafted. Um, okay. Overdrafted for me is Xander Bogarts. 74th. Who, yeah, 74th overall. Uh, yeah, I mean, regarded as an early-round pick, even though only two of his four seasons he's performed like one, and both of them there was an outlier that – you know, he it was a different thing each time. One, it was a ridiculously high BABIP. One, it was an out-of-character home run to fly ball ratio. Um, and that's what put him over the top those years. And I don't think I, – I think the norm for him is closer to what we saw last year. Overdraft, uh, underdrafted. Who's going too late at short? Too late at shortstop. Uh, I'm going to say – yeah, it's not somebody I'm excited to draft either, but I think people are a little too dismissive of. Uh, no, I'm going to go with a different one. I'm going to go with Zach Cozart because it's <laughs> it's easier to say it about Zach Cozart, who was top five shortstop on a per game basis last year, and there are reasons to question whether the power was legit, especially since he's leaving Cincinnati now. But he's a good on base guy. He's probably going to be batting ahead of Trout. 
And uh, I think he's still going to be very productive, especially considering he's going to an 211th overall. Tim Anderson also in Roto Leagues is someone you want to keep an eye on with his steals potential and what he did. Yeah, there's some interesting late rounders there. Ahmed Rosario with the steals potential, Glaber Torres whenever he plays. Like it is, it is for, it, it is a thin position, but if you're just looking for late round upside, it has its share of it. Outfield, Heath. Outfield is complete. You have to look at it completely differently depending on whether you're starting three or five outfielders. If you're starting three outfielders, then there's not a lot to it. Wait until the good values fall and just take your outfielders. And maybe you want to save a spot for the upside. That's fine. I don't generally. I just try to get three good outfielders. In a five outfielder league, I we may underrate how shallow outfield is in a five outfielder roto league. I think there are cases where you may actually play at a guy at outfield that's also eligible at second base, like an Ian Happ or even a Whit Merrifield. So that's something. Nick Castellanos is another one. Scott brought it up yesterday. I, I don't have room for Nick Castellanos at third base, but there's room for him in a five outfielder league. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as overdrafted at outfield, I'll say A.J. Pollock. The Diamondbacks as a whole just are not falling fast enough in ADP. And even if you look at it on in a, on a more recent basis, last two weeks or last month, <laughs> You're just not seeing a huge drop for these guys. I am concerned that Pollock could be like a number four outfielder. He's, he yeah. has to have his stolen base numbers bounce back to the level they've only been at once in his career. And if that doesn't happen, there may not be a lot of use. And Pollock's going in the sixth round. Who's underdrafted? Who's going too late? There are a bunch of underdrafted guys. I think we've talked about this one a little bit, but I will say Michael Brantley. Um, his ADP, I believe, is basically the last round of the draft. And Brantley has a huge injury risk. He's actually hurt right now. But <laughs> yeah. if you could, I'd take him pretty happily four or five rounds. I just took him in a 15-team league four or five rounds ahead of this. The upside is still really big. He helps you in categories that are hard to obtain late in the draft, can be a stabilizer for batting average when he's in there. And you've got a DL spot for when he's not. Okay, let's go to starting pitcher. And, uh, you know, I don't think we need to – just give me – we could even skip starting pitcher since we just spent three days on it. So let's do that. Let's skip starting pitcher. No, let's not. That's not cool. <laughs> no, um, not cool at all. Everybody, instead of underdrafted, overdrafted, everybody just tell me how you're going to approach starting pitcher. And how about this? Scott, you tell me how you're approaching starting pitcher in a points league. Heath, you tell me how you're doing it in a categories league, head-to-head categories. Chris, you tell me how you're doing it in a, in a standard roto league. Scott, points league. So points league, you know, I'm, I'm going all out, and I'm probably higher on than these other two on high end pitching to begin with. But points league, where you don't have to uh, consider the specific contributions of hitters that you're going to be getting later in the draft. All that matters is the totality of the contribution. There's so much interchangeability there that it's beyond the top two round type hitters. It's just not worth paying for. So I. My most, our most recent head-to-head points draft, I took a starting pitcher with nine of my first 13 picks, the first of them coming in the fourth round. So I still got the really elite hitters. Um, but I, I want to take the pitchers who I think can stand out before they're all gone. But nine starting pitchers with your first 13 picks? Or are yep. relievers included in that? Just starting pitchers. What's the point of drafting five, four bench spots? Well, for one thing... Not all the pitchers are going to pan out. And for another thing, particularly in a points league, every time somebody that high end makes two starts, you're going to want them in your lineup. 
right. so that's that's not a bad thing having extra pitchers. You you use all your starting pitchers. It's probably the only position I can say that about. All right. Uh, and Heath, head head categories. I'm I don't want to give people the wrong idea that I'm just like not going to draft any starting pitchers. I would love to have a, a one very good starting pitcher. I'd like to have a couple others that I think have the upside to be very good starting pitchers that don't cost near as much. I I'm very fond of Lance McCullers in a head-to-head categories league. Guys like that. But I'm also not going to invest near as much in head-to-head categories as I am in other formats. And I'm especially not going to invest in guys like Marcus Stroman, guys like we talked about Rick Porcello, Aaron Sanchez. I I don't I don't have a lot of use for innings eaters in this format. All right. And how about a standard roto league, Chris? Uh, I think innings eaters can be a little bit underrated, but it, it really just depends on how you build your roster. If you're going high on, you know, one or even two of the big four, if you're drafting two starting pitchers inside of the top 10, you know, then you probably don't need those stabilizing forces like a Jeff Samarjo or Johnny Cueto. Um, it, it really just, it's all going to depend. The way I'm drafting my teams is I'm always pretty much looking for upside in the first 10 rounds at starting pitcher. If I can't find good values, I'm perfectly okay with waiting and taking someone like I've taken Masahiro Tanaka as my number one starting pitcher. I've taken Robbie Ray. I've taken Aaron Nola as my number one starting pitcher. I'm okay with waiting because the, yes, the position's important. Those guys are also hugely volatile. Finally, relief pitcher, Chris Towers, uh, what's your relief pitcher strategy? I would love to have Kenley Jansen or Craig Kimbrell. I think there's a pretty big drop-off after those guys, and that's what the ADP shows as well. If I can't, and I usually don't because you have to get Kimbrell, Kenley in the third round sometimes and Kimbrell usually in the fourth, I'm perfectly fine waiting, not drafting anyone in the mid-range, and just targeting guys that I think are good pitchers, who are either coming off bad seasons or aren't on great teams uh, because those guys tend to be undervalued. The guys who tend to be overvalued are relievers who are coming off one outlier big season. So I'll tell you the overvalued guys I think are Felipe Rivera and Corey Knable. Both had never done it before last season. We did this last year with Edwin Diaz. We did this last year with Ken Giles, guys that we thought were elite closers. The position changes a lot these guys could both easily lose their jobs all right yeah i i, I want to it was one of my regrets last year of just not putting enough emphasis on relief pitcher uh you know so i'm gonna try but to put a little more emphasis on it but i'm not gonna take like where are kimbrell and jansen going jansen's going like the third round third right? and fourth round yeah that that does feel a little bit early to me just, adam yeah you want to hear something crazy yes i took craig kimbrell and tout worse where? Fifth round. See, yeah, that, fifth, that 15, fifth round. Fifth round of a 15 team yeah, league. Yeah, that's like, amazing. I had to. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Fine. But yeah, I totally. don't, like, I, I've been the one who most staunchly opposed to drafting either of those guys, given they're going great. But, um, I, yeah, in a league that, the deeper the league and the, um, I, yeah, I guess the deeper the league and, and the less consequential starting pitchers feel like they are, um, that's that's when those guys have the most value. And I do want at least two closers, preferably three. I just 
they're so dependent on saves and closers, you know, 15 closers will probably lose their jobs at some point this year. Yeah. That it's just not worth paying up for the guys who don't have a track record. Give me Hector Neris and Kelvin Herrera in the later rounds and I'll feel pretty good about it. All right. Well, I feel pretty good about SeatGeek. I am going to a basketball game tonight. I used SeatGeek to get the tickets. I always use SeatGeek. I've got the app on my phone. It is the fastest, the easiest, the smartest way for you to get tickets. Here's what it does. SeatGeek goes out and searches multiple sites so you don't have to do it. All right, it saves you time, and then it saves you money. It gives every seat a grade based on value, makes it really easy to get the tickets. And if you use our promo code FANTASY, when you download the SeatGeek app, you use the promo code FANTASY after you buy your tickets, get 20 bucks off, 20 bucks back on your first SeatGeek purchase. You can use it for sports, for concerts, for comedy, for theater. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for the best deals on every type of ticket. And here's an awesome part. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. They have great customer service. It's just it's like a really smart app that more and more people are using. We love SeatGeek. They make our podcast possible, and they make going to games cheaper and easier. So, again, download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code FANTASY. You get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. The promo code is FANTASY. All right, we got a lot to get to. We won't get to all of it, of course. But let's. Uh, people want to know a lot about head-to-head category strategies, so let's do that. Uh, right now, Ty, uh, Tim from Plymouth, Minnesota. Does your draft strategy change if you're drafting? Oh, this isn't about categories, but does your draft strategy change if you're drafting for a daily league versus a weekly league? Yes, it does quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it changes some. For for one thing, the, the dual eligible Otani becomes a lot more valuable. Yeah, the biggest uh, thing for me, I, I've said it many times, is. In the one daily league I play, it's daily head-to-head categories. You set your lineup every day. Load up on pitchers because the hitters don't miss that many games, so you can mostly keep them in your lineups. You get the big advantage by you know, drafting good pitchers and throwing them in their lineup every time they start. Or I like to get four or five closers. Uh, yeah, so. more more relievers, I would say. To uh, in, Instead of taking crappy ratios from middling starters— um, in between your good starters, just load up on relievers as much as your lineup allows you to do that. And if you're in a league that designates starting pitcher and relief pitcher, guys who have starting pitcher eligibility but are relievers and are really good ones like Brad Peacock can have some extra value as well. At okay. the same time, when teams are off on Mondays or Thursdays, like you don't just want to take a nothing in that line of spot, so it helps to have multi-eligible yep, hitters also true. like Marwin Gonzalez is the most multi-eligible, but also like Chris Taylor, Javier Baez. Good point. Um, maybe that's why Baez goes soon. We're not, we're not accounting mm. for the, the yeah. daily league aspect. You, you shouldn't change your draft strategy too much, though. Not too much. Okay, Max has a question. Last year in my head-to-head categories league, I had a few middle-of-the-road pitchers. I believe it was Carrasco, Quintana, and Stroman. I'd let them pitch, and then if they gave me a strong ERA and whip, I'd sit tight. If they didn't perform... I'd go and get a bunch of two-star pitchers from waiver wire and punt on whip and ERA and win the strikeouts and wins categories. This allowed me to invest much more heavily in hitters on draft day, and no matter what, I'd win at least two-fifths of the pitching categories. I won the league last year. Is this a viable strategy? So well, you it, won your league, so yeah. It's, it's not drafting that many pitchers. He drafted Carrasco, Quintana, and Stroman. And then early in the week, you see how they do. 
if they do well, you you don't get any more pitchers because they do they've done well for your ERA and WHIP. If they haven't done well, now you just get pitchers from the waiver wire. You try to win wins and strikeouts. It, it begs the question: What about when they don't pitch? Yeah, early this is in the only week? viable like half the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently, I mean, he won the league. Um, sure, sure. Um, and it's hard to say exactly how much that had to do with it, but in theory, it sounds like a pretty good idea when you're able to do it. I yeah, I think maybe we're framing it just a little bit wrong as in his the strategy is not to have the pitchers pitch earlier in the week it's just after your first few starts regardless of who they're from if you are in a bad position on era and whip this makes a lot of sense this is what you do in a daily lineup league when you fall way behind early in era and whip is go win those two categories that being said i feel like the rules shouldn't allow this because you should either have like if if you have daily lineup locks, you should probably have weekly transaction yeah. locks. Yep. Your roster should be locked at the I, beginning of the week. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily no. agree with that. No, I don't agree that it should be locked at the beginning of the week. But I no 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 not your lineup, your roster. No, I don't. Roster. I think you should be able to no. pick up players midweek yes. and start I, them. I'm, but but I agree this, with like this I play in a like league. It, this seems like exploiting a loophole to me. Which is you know if it's allowed, go ahead. I play in a league that's not I, sure it should be. Allowed. I think it's great. It's you get seven transactions per week, so. One one per day, basically, but you can divvy them up however you want, uh, you know. And, and it's not that like you have to be a little. You can't just pick up play because nor, normally I'd pick up more than one per day on average, but you have to be a little judicious, I guess. But no, I mean, yeah, I don't agree with Chris, but I, I guess that's I, nothing I think new. The bigger <laughs> thing is Scott's if you the same thing. if you typically play in almost entirely weekly leagues, then this would seem like a loophole. But it's actually a feature and not a flaw. It's just a different type of game. All right, here's a question uh, specifically for Heath and his head-to-head categories pitching strategy. Bring it on. Loading. Uh, this is from Frank the Animator. Loading up on relievers and punting wins and Ks is a fool's errand. Don't buy into it. I've yet to see someone actually win a league doing it. You're seeding 20% of the categories before the season even starts. Everything has to fall into perfect place for it to work, and that almost never happens. So what he wanted to know is, like, Heath, does, does, do you actually win leagues that way? I, I think what we should do is give Frank's email address, and all of our listeners that have played relief pitcher heavy in categories can send Frank an email telling him that they won the league. We probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> uh, no. I, I th- the one thing I'm not sure of, and I read this email once, Adam, because you told, told me it was coming. Uh-huh. No, it does say in the title, head-to-head category strategy time. So I thought maybe he was talking about Roto by the rest of the email. Oh, no. Come I on. understand if you don't like this strategy. I'm also not saying that I'm entirely punting wins in case. I I would like to have one good pitcher and maybe some other guys with upside in case they hit. Several times last year, and I play, I think, four leagues that were head-to-head categories last year, and in at least half of them, by midseason, I ended up with four or five starters on my roster. What? Can I you... just didn't invest draft capital in them. Capital. Gotcha. Capital? Capitable. Capitable the in word. them. So I, yeah. So you didn't go the whole year just using relievers. I did have, I believe, one league where I did that. Did you win? I did not win that league. I was in the playoffs. It's never happened. Yeah, it has absolutely happened. I did win head-to-head categories last year in leagues in which I drafted mostly relievers. Can you read? Can you read the last sentence there again, Adam? Uh, I um, hold on. I, I closed oh, out was, the email. Closed out. All right. Well. This is my head-to-head categories experience. It's my least favorite format. Um, but I feel like try, like trying to win ERA and whip in a week's time 
Like when just one bad start can blow it up. Like I feel like I I feel like everything has to align perfectly just to win those categories. Scott and starts I feel sweating like, just talking about this format. And I feel like it's easier for everything to align perfectly when you're, your lineup's weighted toward oh, relief. Can, can we just, uh, like, the answer here, and the answer when discussing any strategy is, there's no strategy that's guaranteed to win. True. There's no strategy... I mean, there are strategies that are guaranteed to the lose. Scott White well, drafting yeah, strategy? drafting like Scott White is guaranteed to win. But if you can't do that, if you're playing with Scott, you can't do that. So <laughs> Not there's no strategy. <laughs> there's no one strategy that is guaranteed to win. There is no realistic strategy that's guaranteed to lose. Like not playing is guaranteed to lose. But so when we talk about like this can't happen or this will work, it's all like you still need the right players. You still need to be active you still need to have a good process some strat the strategy itself isn't inherently good or bad it's the person playing and the players that you have on your team if you draft a bunch of crappy relievers or if you stick too long with a guy like Sungwon Oh last year believing that he's going to turn it around your team's going to suffer so also I, there was one categories league where several people in the league went into the draft with this plan and relievers flew off the board yeah. way, way early. Right. And so I just didn't do it. I just changed his plans. I have listened to so much talk from you guys about this strategy, and I and I play in one head-to-head categories league with daily rosters. And in that league, what I think I'm going to do is try to draft four or five closers. Definitely four. Probably draft like five or six starters. No, maybe more than that. But But then I will go to the waiver wire not to get closers, but to get good middle relievers with, you know, good whip ERA and, and K per nine, I guess. Because uh, that I don't think you have, like, I don't think you have to draft. Maybe you have to draft Chad Green. But guys like Green will show up. Maybe not as right, good. And, th- and those guys get them on also waivers. are just volatile from year to year. Right, right. All right. Uh, anyway, last email here for now from Tim. On yesterday's Pitching Preview podcast, you totally skipped over. Luke Weaver, I for one am extremely excited about him and was really looking forward to hearing your opinions. Can you spend a minute on Luke Weaver? He's going early. That's kind of why we skipped over him, but we should. Yeah, it's it's kind of where I am with Reese Hoskins. And these were guys who I loved when they got called up last year and we were singing about them in the podcast all down (laughs) the stretch when they were doing awesome things. But like they're they're being drafted. As high as you can reasonably justify drafting them based on what they've done. And I'm not saying it's wrong to draft them there. It's just I can't get excited about it. I I think the big difference with Luke Weaver versus Reese Hoskins, however, is Reese Hoskins' minor league track record fully backs up what he did in the majors in terms of the peripherals, in terms of the production. I mean, Luke Weaver's minor league track record is pretty awesome. ERA is really good. 199 ERA and 275 and a third innings. His strikeout rate. What is it? Is, was 8.8. It's good. It's really good. It's good, but it's not elite. And his Uh, strikeout rate in the majors last season. You're parsing. I don't think I am. I I think it's definitely above average. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Can Luke Weaver be great this year? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Now, he's going 34th overall among starting pitchers. He's going at the beginning of round 11 in a 12-team league, Luke Weaver. I guess my, my argument for that, just to play devil's advocate, is I don't see maybe more than a handful of pitchers that I feel like should definitely go ahead of him. Because after Weaver, it's Stroman, Bauer, Castillo, Gio, Cueto, Samarja, 
John Gray, Danny Duffy, Michael Fulmer, Chase Anderson, Garrett Richards. Now we're in the 170s. Now we're 50 picks behind. So, like, it feels a little weird for him to be the 34th pitcher off the board. But at the same time, it would kind of feel weird for any of these guys, most of them, to be the 34th pitcher off the board. If yeah, like sense. I said, I, I don't think it's a bad pick. It's about where I rank him. I just hardly ever draft him because somebody always seems to be more excited about Luke Weaver than I am. I don't rank him that high, but I think you bring up a good point, Adam. Is I, It's easy to say Luke Weaver's being drafted at his ceiling, and that's not really true. He's being drafted much closer to his ceiling than he is to his floor. Did anybody but, say that? What? No. Okay. No. Just making sure. No, but, but uh, we said he was going too early. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I I would just say, with both, I'll throw Jose Barrios in here. I think you could probably throw Lance McCullers in here, uh, in that 100 to 125 range. They're probably guys I would feel I would draft if they were in the 170 range, uh, because I don't think those three guys are more talented than Blake Snell. Right. I don't think those three guys are more talented than Jamison Tyone. Maybe Lance McCullers is, but. For the most part, I think we're talking about guys with very similar talent levels, pretty similar minor major league production, pretty similar minor league production. And if I'm drafting those guys, those guys who aren't sure things but have upside, I'd rather do that in the 15th round than the 10th round. Mm-hmm. You focus on other positions. I focus on relief pitcher and catcher a lot of times at this part of the draft, especially relief pitcher. But you like know, this every is draft where is I'm different. drafting starting pitchers. Usually, it's just not those guys. All right. Well, every every draft is different. Every every fantasy owner is different. Uh, so I of course failed miserably with time, and I just want to know who is uh, rising and falling in your preseason rankings. Here's a quick uh, team name Tuesday on a Thursday, though. First of all, we just got one in the mailbox from Vince. Albies there for you. Pretty good. Ozzy Albies. That was one of your worst singing performances. It was so bad. That was, that was awful. We didn't even go the right direction with that note. It was so bad. It's, it's a hard line to sing though because there are so many different like octaves singing at once and you just kind of have to pick one. Pick one, Scott. Yeah. No, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, he's sick. My voice like this. You kidding me? It might be better. Uh, (laughs) Trey Turner overdrive. Yep. Legs don't Beltray me now. Yep. Good. My name is Josh. I'm not a fan of Josh Hader. I think he's overrated. My team name will be Josh's Josh Hader Haters. Good. Uh, I have Adam Eaton, Jake Lamb, and Greg Bird, and Tommy Pham. Eaton Lamb, Eaton Bird and Lamb. We're Eaton Lamb, fam. Yep. Cool in the gang. Reese's yep. Monkeys. Springer cool mm. oh, yeah. Spaniels. Yep. <laughs> I'll tear you a new one. We've had that yes. before. That's a good one. Ben and Tendy and the Jets. Sure. Better. Much better. Uh, thank you. Woba Fett. Woba Fett's good. I like that. Very good. Fetty. Cindergarten Cop, which is a classic. Sure. JJ puts the lotion in the basket. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> and then a, a popular prospect one, Acuna Moncada. How, how, what good. percentage of our audience doesn't even know who JJ puts is? Or Silence of the Lambs, right? I mean, <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, yeah. All right. So there's there's so much news. Arizona's bringing the bullpen cart back. I thought that was pretty much the most important thing, but we'll skip that for now. Matt Carpenter, Daniel Murphy, Adam Eaton. Scott wrote about all three of them. Uh, they're all still injured. Carpenter and Murphy may not be ready for opening day. Eaton, they're just Eaton being very cautious. Yeah, also may not be ready for opening day. Are you dropping Carpenter, Murphy, and Eaton in your rankings? Um, I am not... Well, I, I've kind of, yeah, 
not not much because I don't think they're going to miss time. But I'm I'm starting to wonder about Daniel Murphy. I got an interesting tweet um, from a doctor who dabbles in fantasy writing. Um, I'm trying to come up with his name here. I think I have too many tweets in my inbox. I'm not going to be able to find it. But he uh, wow, humble brag. He. <laughs> He uh, he shed some light on um, where Murphy is in his rehabilitation process and what that means for him going forward. And he's under the impression that he might miss like half the season. So obviously nothing's been reported along those lines. But um, to me, it doesn't seem like a far-fetched concern. So I'm I'm thinking I might put him on my bus list. 2.0. Of those three, Murphy's the only one that I've moved down, and it's simply because he was the only one that was being drafted high enough to move down. Uh, let's see, who else? Oh, uh, Corey Seager's making good progress, looking more likely for opening day. St. Louis closer Luke Gregerson has an oblique strain. They're calling it minor, but keep an eye on it, and he wasn't very good last year, although, I mean, a lot of it was like one dreadful, dreadful start early in the year and then a bad September. For the most part, I guess he was fine, but Gregerson, yeah, he's old. He's already hurt. Tyler Lyons, would that be a guy to keep an eye on in the in the bullpen there for the Cardinals? Greg Holland might be a name to keep an eye on. Uh, did you say Dominic? Leone? Leone? No, I went yeah. with the other guy whose oh, name sounds did. like Lyons. He said Tyler Lyons. Yeah, no, it'd be Leone. I'm sorry. Lyon, Leone is the righty and Lyons is the lefty, so that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, no, I mean they both they both seem to have closer ability. Uh, I, I would think Leone seems to be getting more helium in fantasy circles this spring. Uh, the guy's name, by the way, is Dr. Mike Tanner, and uh, he does some writing for... Fan tracks. There you That's go. where that piece was. It's okay. comparing Daniel Murphy and Dustin Pedroia and their recoveries from uh, knee surgery. Chris, what, did you just Google that? No, I just looked in your mentions. Oh, okay. <laughs> and Ahmed Rosario... I had to scroll down pretty damage. far, though, right? Chris, I, just, I know you don't actually have that many mentions. No, I searched. <laughs> Chris is the Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Chris knows what he's doing on Twitter. Uh, Ahmed Rosario, no structural damage. Jacob Bagram scheduled to pitch Sunday. Aaron Judge, they say he could bat lead off. It's very unlikely. Uh, Jose De Leon tours UCL, so that sucks. And now the Rays are talking about using a four-man rotation. Yeah, and I I looked through their schedule. It wouldn't really like increase the number of two start weeks for Chris Archer, uh, especially through. I looked through the first like month and a half, and it's really like. They have like five off days in the first six weeks of the season. Yeah. So. When, when off days allow, they're thinking they may stick to four man all season. But off, there's going to be times where off days don't allow. Yeah, like I think they Matty only need Andrees in there. Yeah, so. I think they only need a fifth starter like once or twice in the first six weeks. So it it won't really change anything for anyone. All right, I'm going to give you guys a name. You tell me if you are moving them up in your rankings. Matt Harvey. I'm not moving yes. him up because I ranked him pretty optimistically to begin with, but I like him as a late-round sleeper. I moved him from a last-round pick to a next-to-last-round pick. <laughs> yeah, he's moving up from 570 to 510. He is in, like, the 245 range. I will 100% take a flyer on Matt Harvey. Chris hates him. Chris hates us, and he hates him. Jason Kipnis, six home runs, leading baseball so far. Are you moving him up? Yes. 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 Uh, Kipnis or Moncada? Moncada. <laughs> Depends on what your team looks like. It looks. Uh, do you need stolen bases? I don't have like anything clever I, to Jason say. Jason Kipnis like, will likely be a better hitter than Yohan Mankata this year, so it depends on if you need stolen bases. I'm to the point, and, and Kipnis won't be a zero there. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure Kipnis will be won't be better than Mankata there because Mankata hasn't shown much of that in the majors. I'm to the point now where I'm happy to pass on Mankata to take Kipnis later. 
Uh, Mancata, by the way, last six, last two games, he's five for six with a double and two walks. He's turned it around a little bit. Five walks, seven strikeouts in spring training with two steals. Still only one extra base hit. Uh, how about Kipnis or Ian Happ, real quick? Happ. Kipnis. I'll say Happ. Are you moving Nick Castellanos up? He's having a good spring. He crushed one yesterday. It looked, it was, he's, he's making all those people who doubted him look really stupid <laughs> in spring training. <laughs> Uh no, I'm not moving him. Right. Nope. All right. Uh no, I'm I guess I'm not, but you know. I like him. Trevor Story. No. 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 Uh Steven Duggar. Well, Scott wrote about him. Read about Steven Duggar. Uh he's Giants outfielder. Ronald Acuna. Big yes. spring for him. Uh I have been moving him up gradually. It doesn't have there, a lot to do with his performance uh, this spring. I just feel like the upside makes him worth a mid-round pick. Scott, who's the MLB writer for the Braves? Bowman? Yes, He had Mark a piece Bowman. yesterday, or it might have been this morning, talking about ETAs for some of their uh, prospects, and he identified April 13th at Wrigley Field or potentially April 16th when they get back home as Ronald Acuna's likely call-up dates, so... Uh, he's batting 423 with two walks, six strikeouts, two steals so far, Acuna. Lewis Brinson is batting 409, but one walk, seven strikeouts, and he's been caught in both of his stolen base attempts. Outfielder for the Marlins, Lewis Brinson? Yes. I haven't moved him up, but, you know, he's in that late round range in five outfielder leagues. Brinson or Piscotty? Piscotty. Uh, yeah, Piscotty. If I was, you know, if I was mostly interested in steals... I could see doing Brinson instead. Am I in a 15-team league and need a fifth outfielder, or am I in a 10- or 12-team league and need bench upside? You need a fifth outfielder. Pascotti. All right, Braves second baseman Ozzy Albies having a great spring. Three steals, not a lot of power, though. 360 batting average, only a 400 slugging. Three walks, four strikeouts, but he's off to a good start. And then uh, how about Matt Kemp? 316 with three homers, and Peterson's in terrible. Nope. I mean, you have to – did anybody have Matt Kemp in their top 400? I do I, not. I think so. So, yeah, Heath, so. you should probably move Matt Kemp up because it sounds like he's going to make the team. And Well, I think he's going to make the team. But there are a lot of guys that are going to be on team. I, I don't think he's going to be a starter. Life. I mean, he was, he was a starting caliber fantasy player as recently as this year. As soon as I get a quote from the Dodgers saying that Matt Kemp is our right fielder or our left fielder or whatever, I don't expect – I think he's going to play three times a week. Maybe. Um I'm under the impression he is their primary left fielder, and that doesn't necessarily mean he'll won't play more than like four times a week. But <laughs> but that's that's it's what a I'm one game. I mean, he was he was a good hitter, like for fantasy last year. Last year, yeah. yeah. Okay. So if he plays eighty five percent of their games, he's going to be worth using. I agree one hundred percent. All right, we're going to end the show with Isaac's greatest hits. Here are some of the emails that we have gotten from Isaac recently, who loves Heath. It does not like Chris or seemingly anyone else. I love him as well. Isaac says, and I'm just going to run through him, I can't believe that you think that because there are more hitters in Roto Leagues that hitters are therefore more important. Imagine if you started 30 hitters and 9 pitchers. Would you then actually spend 50 to $60 on Mike Trout considering he's one of 30 hitters you would start? This is troubling. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, do you understand concepts of math, Chris? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is a gross misinterpretation of what we said. Um, all right, how about this? Bumgarner has been replaced by Corey Kluber. I'm not going to research it, but I'm guessing that the average auction value in a Roto League for those four stud pitchers has gone up. I'm better at this than you are. Uh, then this one uh-huh. is great. Greatest hits. 
Lou Whitaker played second base, not shortstop, schmuck face. Yep. That, like, that is, that's the best email right there that we've ever gotten. Period. Yes. Uh-huh. And I will, I will say that, uh, I showed that email to someone and he said, who said that? And I said, I don't know. I wasn't on the podcast. It was one of the other schmuck faces. So. Uh, I believe it was me. Yeah. Yeah. And the only schmuck face. Yeah. I'm on the, the podcast. The, yeah. The one. <laughs> More from the schmuck face. Chris flippantly mentions that he's targeting one, if not two, top four starting pitchers. And he's been promoted. God right. bless America. That's right. I have been promoted. <laughs> this guy. Wow. Okay. Hey, hey, Ike. <laughs> Checks are still cashing. Isaac, if you are ever in South Florida, just let me know. I totally agree with Heath. With the way innings pitched is trending, stud middle relievers are more valuable than ever in Roto. Non-stud starters are a dime a dozen. And finally, I think what Heath said about Tommy Canely is really important and often overlooked. When people think about possible waiver wire pickups for the upcoming year, they often think in terms of having that player for the entire year and only picking up the players that have an entire season of good stats. Can I just say one thing? <laughs> Isaac needs a copy editor. Uh, so, Ike, hit me up. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll help Ike. you formulate your ideas. And, uh, you know, we can really get these emails to another level. Okay. Isaac, thank you for all your contributions. I will let you know what the data the For the People Podcast League is, Ike. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That's all you have to do to get in. Uh, for Chris, for Heath, for Scott, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow with a live draft.